Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour two of Fantasy Sports today. This is SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com, your 24-hour source for wagering information in-game live action, and of course, fantasy information, which is what we do here on this show every day from noon to 2 Eastern, whether you're watching live now or streaming on YouTube. Thanks so much for letting us be part of your day, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long it is, make sure you like and subscribe to our show, especially if you're watching us on YouTube. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. For the next hour, we got you covered. Normally on Monday, we run through all of the different temptations in fantasy, all of the great things that happen, all of the poor things that happen. And I would say that, Joe, for me in particular, watching the NFL on Sunday uh, was really enjoyable. I thought that yesterday's mm-hmm. group of games was the best in the seven weeks that I've seen thus far. That that was my feeling on it. Well, unless you're me, like a Patriot fan, in which case you are most disgusted, more disgusted even probably than you've been in the last 30 years watching a Patriots game. That was atrocious it was terrible but yes overall taking things out of it you got a great sunday night game great game against pittsburgh and uh, tennessee no doubt about that if you hate the cowboys you love the washington game uh certainly carolina kept things interesting too but you're right it was a very competitive week and also a week where you step back and you realize that more than half the league is playing with backup running backs right now and that's just astounding and this is why probably nfl franchises look at the running back position and have devalued it over the years uh, it's just kind of where we're at, and I guess the data is going to continue to show that. Now, there are a couple guys out there still getting it done, but still, Craig, looking at the landscape of this past week and seeing so many backups or even third-string running backs that had to start because of injuries, it tells you everything you need to know about that position, why the draft has gone that way and evolved over the last five years into what you have now, which is RBs. Not really high draft picks anymore, not really big investments in terms of uh, – in terms of capital in the uh, in the draft or even on free agent market. Yeah, and, and there's a couple of first-round draft talent players this year going in, but mm-hmm. whether or not they get taken in the first round remains to be seen, but they should. That's the talent level, but uh, hard to make the case for that at this point. All right, let's take a look at our headlines here. And the Dodgers uh, won last night in case you missed it. Of course you didn't, but in case you did, they can win the World Series tomorrow night, or the Rays can win and we can head to a Game 7. Either way, we'll be watching. Cleveland Browns announced that Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. His future in Cleveland's in doubt, no doubt about that. The Rams will take on the Bears on Monday Night Football. Tough one to call here as the Rams are six-point favorites over Chicago. Reichwell Armstead is going to miss the rest of the season due to COVID-19 complications. Unfortunately for Armstead, this is the one 
real sad story of complications in the NFL from COVID-19. It looks like he's had some serious issues with that. Uh, Robinson has played really well, but let's not lose sight of what Armstead was supposed to be going into the season. Still waiting on to see if the Raiders get fined or losing draft picks for their COVID-19 uh, situation. But again, if they're not going to do that to Tennessee, I can't see them doing that to the Raiders. And then Michael Thomas, Joe Mixon, both likely to miss this week, Joe. Uh, Michael Thomas, now the report is this morning, unlikely to be traded. We are closing in on the deadline, and some teams could use upgrades at different position, that's for sure. But the more I think I know, the less these things <laughs> sort of play out. And so as we head toward next week, the only player, and I've said it a few times, but I'll say it again, the only player that if, if I was on the FanDuel Sportsbook and they had a, will this player get traded? Yes, no. The only guy that I would bet on would be A.J. Green. That is, that is the only mm. one that makes no sense to be in Cincinnati at this point. His career is coming to an end. They're, they're going to win two games or three games at the most. He'd be better suited going somewhere else. Uh, that's the only one. And financially, it makes sense, too. He's a guy that you can trade, and I know that that factors in a lot. But he's the only one, I think, that when we're sitting here next week gets moved. But, you know, it could be other guys, too. He'll be a quarterback, too. He keeps talking about the Cowboys. I'm trying to spin the wheel in my head and think of other names that might be on the block. Do the Bears want to move on from the Mitchell Trubisky experiment? Maybe the Texans, right? They got old man Matt Schaub still there. Matt Schaub oh has God. shown he's a veteran quarterback, right? You want to spin the wheel for him? Of course, I'm kidding with all of these, but still, it's crazy to think that Ben DiNucci might be making a start for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if you had that in 2020, but here we are. We're on the precipice of weirdness looking around for who could play quarterback next week for Dallas. I mean, they might be stuck here, and I don't know what the trade deadline is going to be. This is going to be wacky because the last couple of years, the trade, line, the trade deadline has actually been pretty fun in the NFL. Back in the day, it was boring. Nobody got traded. Last couple of years, there's been some big names. I kind of agree with you. I mean, there's no reason for A.J. Green to still be there. I think he can help a couple teams. Uh, look, I don't know where that destination is going to be. We'll probably – well, look, we're probably talk about that, you know, during the week. Some other candidates who might be dealt. I think there's some also uh, some guys out there in Jacksonville that could certainly help some people as well. I think some teams should be looking at there for uh, some of the wide receivers out there. But I don't know, man. This is a, a very strange season, and that East just continues to get stranger and stranger. I know at the break we were talking about this, but if you think about if Washington had just handled their business two weeks ago against the Giants in a very winnable game, right now they would be sitting with three wins, all three of them in the division they were so close craig and it is still wide open we still don't have any sort of <laughs> look at it uh and who knows what the eagles are going to be or what else is going on but in your mind who's the starting quarterback next week for the dallas cowboys i i cannot see it if it's danucci they're just giving up on the season so i'm, I'm gonna guess it's someone else and the names again i'll go back to would be fitzpatrick miami would trade him uh, Winston, if New Orleans would be willing to trade him, I think he'd be a possibility. Uh, the other guy that, that to me, if they're not going to play him, could definitely hold the fort down is, and depending on what Indy thinks, is is Jacoby Brissett. Like, if, if they're just not going to mm -hmm. play him, then trade Jacoby Brissett. Or, or if you're the Chargers, trade him Tyrod Taylor. Like, I, I don't think Joe that there's... Flacco. Shorted. Oh no, not your fuck. I don't think that Tyrod's there's a shortage a of hey, players. That's a good one. Tyrod Taylor was a good one. I like that one. Bucks and Raiders coming up on the way. Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. 
I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position. And I can tell you, teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had a solid season, first year with Tom Brady at quarterback. There's going to be a second based on the way that he's playing right now. He went to Las Vegas and basically now has two new friends in one, of course, Rob Gronkowski, who's now figuring out the offense, the other in Antonio Brown, who reports say could come back and play for the Bucks in two weeks. And based on looking at the Bucks, not sure that they really need him, but why not? Just add more friends to the team. That's what Tom Brady wants. That's what Tom Brady gets. Yesterday in Vegas, he threw for 369 yards and five touchdowns for Tom Brady. Also rushed for one. The guy was just out of this world yesterday. Fantastic. In terms of the running game, we're back where we started again. Leonard Fournette is back. <laughs> 11 carries, 50 yards, six receptions, 47 yards. No one in the world started him, but everyone did start Ronald Jones, and at least you were bailed out with like nine or ten fantasy points, but Ronald Jones did not look good, and Fournette looked better, so who knows what Tampa Bay is doing moving forward there? No one. That is the answer. Scotty Miller, six receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. Godwin, nine receptions, 88 yards and a touchdown. Rob Gronkowski, five for 62 and a touchdown. Somebody that I own, Joe, on my fantasy teams who looks like a massive bust is Mike Evans. I can't, I mean, I cannot figure mm-hmm. out what is going on with him. I mean, you have the Buccaneers and Brady throwing five touchdowns, and Evans doesn't even sniff one or even come mm-hmm. close. So, a real big positive on the side of the Bucs, but not for an Evans owner like me, that's for sure. We'll get to that in a sec. All right, let's take a look at the Raiders real quick. Car 284 through the air, two touchdowns, one interception. It was basically, and I watched this game start to finish, the Raiders just couldn't keep up with Tampa. I mean, that's all it was. The Raiders didn't play poorly. They just couldn't They just couldn't score 50 points in the game. It just wasn't going to happen. Jacobs, This was Jacobs' worst game since he came in the pros. 10 carries, 17 rushing yards, three receptions, 14 yards. Aguilar had a good game, five receptions, 107 and a touchdown. He's basically been good one, bad the other. And Waller is uh, a one starter, a tight end, top two, top three, top five guys. Good every week. Six receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. So 
Bucks are playing great football here, Joe. They they the game that they lost last Thursday night, yeah, they had a chance to win that one too. And <laughs> their defense is good, their offensive is good. It's one of those teams that I looked at their win total at the beginning of the season at nine and a half and thought, man, that's just overvalued. You're paying up tax on Tom Brady. I was wrong. Bucks are good. <laughs> Bucks are going to be doing good things this year. I don't know how far they're going to get. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl team or not, but they're in that mix and they're in that conversation of teams that, I mean, look, they just dismantled a team on the road in Vegas and dismantled the Packers the week before. It's, it's mm-hmm. impressive what they've been able to do. Yeah, the Packer victory is very impressive to me because I thought the Packers were much better than that, and uh, that defense played fantastic, and that game got a ton of pressure on him and, of course, had the two big turnovers there, back-to-back interceptions there on those two drives. But, um, look, that being said, Brady was fantastic in this game. Gronk really starting to emerge again, maybe shaking some of the dust off. And uh, and I know, look, we talked about it last week here on the show, right, in terms of trade targets and guys maybe to move on from. It was Mike Evans, uh, 36 of his 60-plus fantasy points were tied to touchdowns. And when you don't have those touchdowns, you don't have any receptions, you don't have any targets, you don't have any volume. And there was a moment in this game, and you probably remember it too, where Evans was open and there was a ball that looked like Brady had overthrown him. But I don't think it was that he overthrew him. I think Mike Evans didn't have the burst to get to the spot that he was supposed to. I think that hamstring is really bothering him more than he let on. I think that's also part of this Antonio Brown signing. And I think, I don't say they need Antonio Brown, but a healthy Antonio Brown in the mix there could be death for Mike Evans. I'm just telling you, it's just not a good scene right now. What has it been the last few weeks for Mike Evans? Well, but everybody keeps saying, what, he keeps scoring touchdowns. And the point I keep making is, yeah, but the line is two receptions for two uh, not last week, but the two weeks before that, he did. He had touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, and I one of those lines, if you mean. recall, was two receptions for two yards and two touchdowns. It's an you know, insane line. Use red flag two weeks in a row. He's done nothing. I understand that, but I keep. But the thing is, if you look at his overall stats, Mike Evans historically is one of these guys that has huge games and then down games, right? But if you look at the stats this year, it's very different. The tale that it's telling is he's not getting any of those games where he's got the 10 catches for 150. The big games he has are all touchdown dependent completely. And I think that is a huge concern. And Antonio Brown getting added to this mix is an even bigger concern going forward. So I would take whatever you can get. See if you can sell Evans off the big picture numbers. You never know. Somebody might be willing to do that. See, the Michael Thomas owner right now is getting real desperate. I can tell you that much. They're looking at the waiver wire. They're seeing the Cleveland guys. You can offer a Mike Evans. I I just got to disagree. I don't see it the same way. I I, I don't think there's any value in Evans right now. And I don't, and honestly, I think Antonio Brown will help Evans. You know why? Because he can't be any worse. It's not possible. It is not possible for him to be any worse the last two weeks. Well, what's more staggering to me is that run game. Three total catch. Well, I mean, look, I mean, it's back and forth all season long. It is back and forth. And Fournette looked better yesterday. And that that's the thing that I can't even fathom right now that we're at this point again, we're right back to square one, where Ronald Jones looked like the last couple of weeks he was running away with the job. He looked so good. And we kept saying, well, the only problem is the receptions because that's kind of more Fournette's jam because Ronald Jones doesn't have the best hands in the world. I don't know now, week to week. I think you throw both of them out there and just hope for the best is flex RBs. I don't know what else to say to people. I had to start Leonard Fournette. So you said nobody started him. This idiot did because he had Joe Mixon and he had no other choice. He had uh, Aaron Jones in another league. He had no other choice but to start Leonard Fournette. At least you got points. But I don't know yeah, if you got count on it. It is crazy. Who knows? Who knows? All right, uh, 49ers and Patriots. Boy, this game. Oh, you know what? There were two really bad games yesterday. This was the other one. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 277 yards and and, uh, two interceptions. 
Jeff Wilson was fantastic. 17 carries, 112. He scored three touchdowns against New England yesterday. Wow, three rushing touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk, six receptions, 115. Debo Samuel, five for 65. Kittle was involved very early and often, and then they didn't need him in the second half, so that hurt. Uh, as far as the, the Patriots go, offensively, it was a complete disaster. Newton, I don't, I don't know what is going on with him. Maybe he's still feeling effects from COVID. I'm not sure, but he threw three picks. His balls were short. I mean, you saw all of it. So uh, Jared Stidham, he looked better than Newton, I guess. Uh, Damian Harris had 58 rushing yards, which really didn't help you. And Jacoby Myers was actually their leading receiver yesterday. I didn't realize that. Four receptions for 60 yards. So, uh, look, the 49ers, again, are, are going to – I think they're going to be fine. They have a great offensive line. They're going to run whoever's behind it. They're going to get to the playoffs, and then they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to be better than they've been, but they are good enough, I think, to get there. On the New England side of the ball, two, two games at home losing – and uh, and basically back to back, I think back to back home losses for the first time in 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, think that this is pretty much as bad as it's been since since I've watched the Patriots under Belichick. But I I, I don't know. I, I hate to overreact to this sort of stuff. I'm never a prisoner of the moment. But Denver and then and then San Francisco at home, like and and not and not close, by the way, particularly in either game. Really, I know I know that they. I know that the score, Joe, two weeks ago was close, but again, when I see teams kicking six field goals, you got to understand either one or two things happen. Number one, it's bad coaching. The guy doesn't go for it. Or two, they had chances to score. They just didn't. So I got nothing good on New England, unfortunately. To say. No, there's nothing good. This is the worst they've looked before Parcells. This is how bad it is. We have to go back through Pete Carroll, not just Belichick, through Parcells. I've been a Patriots fan since 1993, okay? It was before Friends was on the air. Just to give you a perspective how long I've been rooting for this team. This is the worst effort on both sides of the ball, the worst preparation, the worst execution that I've ever seen. And I'm going to be a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. They have to evolve here in terms of personnel. You have to understand where the league is right now. And what you used to do with execution and Tom Brady, you can make the most of the other weapons around you. Well, now you have a lot more cap space going forward because you don't have a tied into Tom Brady anymore. And you don't have any long-term commitments to a quarterback. You have Cam Newton just for this year. And I understand that no team had more people opt out going into the season than the Patriots. And maybe that's part of the reason, too. But you know what? At this point, it's an excuse. You've had enough time to prepare, even with all the back and forth and the craziness with who can practice, who can't. I have had it. This was an absolute embarrassment on both sides of the football and embarrassment of the coaching staff. And I know they're not going to stand for it, but at a certain point, you have to look at the deeper problem. And the problem here with the Patriots is their refusal to go in on big-time talent, whether it be running back, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever it is, they need to understand it's time to open up the purse strings, open up the offense, and get with it. It is 2020, and the league is passing them by. And, uh, that's all I could say. Uh, I think Craig is frozen here, so I'll take it out. He is so frozen in fear because of my takes with the Patriots. So we come back. More Sports Grid, more fantasy sports today. Stick around. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid, taking you through the rest of the games. And there was a little bit of snow on the ground in Denver, but that was not to stop the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, of course, ready to keep that train rolling. Big win this past week against the Buffalo Bills, and it was time to get back on trap after that terrible, terrible loss a few weeks ago to the uh, Vegas Raiders at home. Certainly unexpected, but sometimes that happens. The greats always get caught napping once in a while, but it looks like Kansas City is back on track. So let's look at the tail of the tape here and take a look at the stats from this game. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, 15 of 23 for 200 passing yards and a touchdown in this game. He did what he had to do. No doubt about that. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, eight carries for 46 rushing yards. He had one catch for 17 receiving yards and a touchdown this one. You did get Le'Veon Bell making his debut in this game, but at least to start, you got more Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is to be expected. We'll see if that trend continues next week when they face the Jets. Tyreek Hill, six catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. It was National Tight End Day for almost everybody, except for Travis Kelsey. What? How is Travis Kelsey not getting more involved? Three catches. For 31 yards and a and no touchdown, excuse me, Mike call Hardman sighting. Yeah, two catches for 57 for him. But this is what makes the Chiefs so tough, right? Week to week in terms of fantasy, especially on FanDuel. Because you just don't know who's going to be the guy that day. You look at the board, you look at the matchup, you look at the game, and you go, okay, Travis Kelsey, this seems like a Travis Kelsey game. There's going to be some snow on the ground. Use the big tight end, right? No, wrong. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, though, continues to get his work. Mahomes continues to look good. The Chiefs are rolling right now, and the Chiefs are going to continue to roll, and they'll probably only lose another game or maybe even two at the most the rest of the season. But in terms of fantasy, it's kind of tough week to week. And the hard part is that on FanDuel specifically, the price for all these guys is very expensive in the daily world. Now, season long, it's different. You're always throwing those guys out there. It doesn't matter. You're going to start Tyreek Hill. You got your big touchdown. He only has to have one catch to give you a good fantasy day. Kelsey has been more good than bad, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, another touchdown. This is what you want from him. His first touchdown in a while, too. The poor guy can't seem to get a lot of touchdowns this year, despite the amount of work he gets. But really, what's tough is you get Mahomes every week, who's like at 9K on FanDuel. You get Travis Kelsey, who's you know somewhere around 7,500. It's tough, because how do you make that investment and then come away with three catches for 31? That crushes you. It's not good. So what you got to find are those games where Kansas City's playing an opponent with a really good offense that can keep pace with them. And if so, that's the better day you're looking for out of the Chiefs. All right, let's see what Denver did or 
maybe didn't do is a better way to put it. Drew Locke was 24 for 40 in this game, 254 passing yards, two interceptions for him. Uh, Philip Lindsay got some work in this one, nine carries for 79 yards. Melvin Gordon, the third, mind you, 17 carries for 68 yards, two receptions for 12. He had a touchdown on the day. So interesting to see that Lindsay and Gordon both getting work. And I know you just put this in here, Brett, just to hear me try to say it, but here we go. Albert Aquangboomnaum. There you go. I'm not going to say it a second time. I probably said it wrong, but I'm going to try my best always here on this program to not only make you laugh and amuse you, but try to get everybody's name as best I can. That guy, let's call him the big O, had seven receptions for 60 yards in this one. And look, this team was very overmatched. And I think the real story in this particular game has to be the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs, too. Denver is a team that turns the ball over at a very high rate, not quite as high as the Cowboys, but certainly high enough. And look, the turnovers were there here for Kansas City. They were a great DFS defense. In fact, better than Buffalo, which is something on game day we urged everybody to do. So if you're not watching game day on Sunday mornings right here on Sports Grid, 8 a.m. Eastern with Matt Stryker and me and Eric Young, you're missing out on these little factoid nuggets. Everybody loves the nuggets. You get the dipping sauce. You have the nuggets. You win daily fantasy. That's why you stay on the grid. So let's go to the next game here. and Let's talk about the Los Angeles Chargers of uh, – and look. Justin Herbert continues to be a fantasy god. Let's just let's just call it what it is. 347 yards for him in this game, 66 rushes, four touchdowns. I mean, nobody saw this coming. I'm sorry. There was a lot of people that thought that Justin Herbert would be a good NFL quarterback eventually, but not this soon. And he has been. He absolutely has been. Joe Reed, two catches for 14 to touchdown. Keenan Allen had 10 catches. He's healthy. 125 for him, no touchdown, but that's not surprising. And Jalen Guyton. He's been surprisingly good this year. Two catches for him, 84 yards and a touchdown. Guyton's giving you some big plays, and I think that's what you're looking for. What's frustrating in this uh, log when you're looking at it is obviously who's missing. It's Mike Williams. Here we go. The credible disappearing man. Mike Williams looks great one week, and then where is he the next? I don't know. But the one thing you can always count on, if Keenan Allen is on the field, Keenan Allen is going to be productive. Another huge day for him. He don't even need a touchdown. He'll give you 20 points without a touchdown. How many guys can you say that about? Not a whole lot. Keenan Allen and Herbert seem to have a very special relationship. Seems to be a lot of love there going on. And look, Herbert has taken this job in a bizarre circumstance, and the dude has run with it. He has been great. So going forward into next year and your dynasty leagues too, you got to feel great about Justin Herbert. You really do. Uh, and look, this game got close here. So you got to give Jacksonville credit. We'll get to them in a second. But the guy's been mobile. The guy has thrown good balls. The guy is getting conversions here. The guy's doing everything you need, basically. And unfortunately, the defense sometimes allows some other teams to get back in stuff. And they did the same thing with Jacksonville. And the good news for Jacksonville and for fantasy owners is that at least James Robinson is back. Because it has not been a pretty three weeks for that guy. He was averaging just nine fantasy points over the last three weeks. Well, let's see what he did this week. Oh, it was better. Take a look at that line right there. 22 carries, 119, four catches, 18, 18, 18, four receptions, two touchdowns. That's right, two touchdowns for James Robinson. That's fantastic. That's what we want from James Robinson. Catch the ball a little bit, run for 100 yards. Yes, please. Gardner Minshew threw for just 173 in this game. Uh, he will continue to be imperfect, but he did have two touchdowns in this one. LaVisca Chenault, the rookie, three catches for 44, and Chris Connolly, one reception for 28 yards and a touchdown. So, Look, the Jaguars are not a good football team. I think we all recognize that. 
And I think the Jaguars know that. And Jaguars defensively have fallen off considerably over the years. I mean, once upon a time, this Jaguars offense was feared. But they've moved on from all those guys. They're all in different places. And the guys that are left are not the same players they were three years ago. And that's just the cold hard facts of the NFL. And if you had to look at these two teams here, Jacksonville is a team that is certainly pointing down. And the Chargers, I think, are a team pointing up. In fact, in a lot of ways, I look at the Chargers and of the two teams in the uh, Los Angeles area right now, I actually feel better about the Chargers going forward next year. And I know it sounds crazy to say, well, what about the Rams? They've got Aaron Donald and they've got all this talent. Yeah, but I want there's something about this Rams team and we'll see which Rams team shows up tonight on Monday Night Football. But for me, I think the future looks pretty bright for the Chargers. Now, you know, obviously Keenan Allen's got to stay healthy. It's interesting to see what they've done and how good they've been without Austin Eckler, too. That's another big piece they're missing here. They're getting the job done here with the rookie running back, Josh Kelly, and they're trying to run the football with Justin Jackson. But really, it's been Herbert. Herbert has taken the reins of this offense, and he's been terrific. And right now, it's hard not to consider him as a low-end QB1. I'm sorry. On a weekly basis, you look at the yardage totals that he's putting up and Drew Brees is putting up, and they're just not the same. Okay, sorry. And you could say it's because of Michael Thomas being out, and that's fair. But you know what? Michael Thomas is going to be out again. So what are you going to do? Justin Herbert. That's what you're going to do. You're going to start him. That's what you're going to do. All right, let's move to the last game here. Sunday Night Football. And this one was a doozy, baby. This was a good game, a fun game. And in the first half, you think, oh, it's all Seattle. Seattle's got this. But it was not to be. The Cardinals said no. In the second half, they came back, sent this one to overtime, had a few breaks go their way, and made a few breaks on their own. And Kyler Murray is really the story here. A great game for him, not just from a fantasy standpoint, from from a leadership standpoint as well. Kyler Murray, 34-48, 360 yards passing here, 67 rushing yards, four touchdowns, four, and a pick. Chase Edmonds get involved in this one. Kenyon Drake left with an injury before Drake went down. He had 14 carries for 34. Your, your typical Kenyon Drake, high volume, low output kind of game. Ho-hum. But there's Chase Edmonds with seven catches and 87 receiving yards. There he is, 58 rushing yards. So Chase Edmonds is a dude right now. I'm telling you right now, if you didn't pick him up already on the waiver wire, somehow he's still out there. Go get this guy. DeAndre Hopkins, he's pretty good at football too. You saw the line from Hopkins, pretty darn good. He had 10 catches for 103 and a touchdown. Christian Kirk continues to be solid in this offense, too. He had five catches for 37, two touchdowns for Christian Kirk. These last few games for Kirk have been great. And a lot of people were concerned with Kirk. They were saying, where is he in this offense these first couple weeks? Well, it's taken him a little while. But you know what? Dude's caught up. Christian Kirk looks like a thing, and Christian Kirk is getting some big touchdowns, some big catches and big moments, and look at that. The Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald showing up for you. Probably didn't help a whole lot of people. I don't know how many people were starting Larry Fitzgerald this week, but if you did, you got 14 PPR points from him, eight catches for 62. On the other side, it's pretty good. I mean, basically the Tyler Lockett show, which was bad news for DK Metcalf fans and me. Because I got all the DK Metcalf that I can handle and you can handle and everybody can handle. But still, Russell Wilson looks like a quarterback god as always. 33 for 50, 388 yards for him. 84 rushing yards, three touchdowns, three picks. The picks were the problem here. And that was the undoing there in the second half for Seattle. Chris Carson came out with an injury. We're going to keep an eye on that one because that's important. Five carries for 34 for him before he got hurt. Hyde, 15 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. But DK Metcalf, just two catches for 33. Tyler Lockett, 15, 15 receptions, 200 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. 
And this is a lesson for everybody out there. Okay, so get your chair, pull it close. Uncle Joe's going to tell you a story. We're going to light the fire. We're going to roast some marshmallows and talk a little bit about why you don't sit your studs. You drafted Tyler Lockett because he's a stud. And I know DK Metcalf is the better story. He's the bigger guy. You watch DK Metcalf chasing down guys and you go, look at that guy go. But I know you've been frustrated with Tyler Lockett. All you folks out there that have him, you keep running him out there and he doesn't show up. Well, guess what? This is why you never sit those guys. He showed up with a vengeance. Sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. Tyler Lockett won you a week this week. And that's why you drafted him in the fourth round of your fantasy league. So we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Make sure you stay tuned to SportsGrid for all the great programming here. we got Pharrell Coast to Coast coming up. We've got in-game live tonight during Monday Night Football. Don't miss that. And, of course, Game Dime Decisions with my bald brother, Gabe Morency. You're not going to want to miss that, too. By the way, can't get enough of the new promo of Gabe there at the Sportsbook, intimidating a horse. That's what you want out of your sports analyst, that kind of dude. That's why Gabe's so good on the programs here on SportsGrid. But uh, it's going to be uh, the looming trade deadline here pretty soon for the NFL. And already the rumor mill is starting here. It looks like Evan Ingram apparently is getting the uh, tires kicked on him, proverbially, if you will. And the Giants certainly seem like a team that is more out than in, despite uh, eking out a victory a couple weeks ago against Washington. They lost a heartbreaking game this past week to Philadelphia, but we shall see if uh, they do start moving some pieces there. I imagine Golden Tate could help a team also. If Shepard is back healthy, maybe Tate, maybe Ingram, maybe some of those guys are going to be on the block. We shall see, but we'll keep you informed about everything right here on SportsGrid because that's what we do. So uh, I know we're going to do a little fantasy reality here. So let's kick things off here with question number one with fantasy or reality. And we always keep things real. I'm the king of keeping it real. So we're going to do this right now. Here's the first one. There are five NFL teams worse than the Patriots right now. And uh, I'll tell you what, after watching Sunday's game, I don't know. They're pretty darn bad. Certainly the Jets are worse. I think we could say that. But here's the thing. We could look at the totals of the wins right now and say certain teams are worse than other teams. Yes, there's only one win there for the Atlanta Falcons. And yes, Houston's a bad team and they've lost their games and their coaches and all of that. The Minnesota Vikings aren't very good. But look at the rosters right now. And let's use fantasy. Let's use fantasy as an indicator about those rosters and how good or bad they are. Who do you feel good about starting on the Falcons? Certainly most of them. I would think the entire offense you're throwing out there. How do you feel about even the Dallas Cowboys who are dreadful? Not really good because of the quarterback play, but you kind of have to start Ezekiel Elliott. You kind of have to start Amari Cooper, right? There's two guys right there. You're probably still hoping, lighting a candle in church, hoping CeeDee Lamb can be good. When you think about the Patriots right now, who do you feel good about starting in fantasy? And I think the answer is nobody. Nobody. You don't feel good in a super flex about Cam Newton anymore. No, that ship has sailed. It looked pretty good a couple weeks ago against Seattle in week two. It's been downhill ever since. Everything has fallen off. The wheels have come off for the Patriots. You don't feel good about Edelman. You don't feel good about the running backs. So look, I think that right now, 
the Patriots from a personnel standpoint are closer to the Jets. <laughs> okay. And I know that's crazy to think about. And if you're the Jets right now, you better not win a couple games because the Patriots might be on your heels. That's how bad things were. In 27 years, I will say it again, I have never seen a Patriot effort that bad on both sides of the football. Lack of execution, lack of preparation, lack of everything that has made them a dynasty. And no, not every year can be a winner. And I am a spoiled brat. That's right. I am spoiled with rings on all of these fingers and on this finger too. Six rings in my lifetime. I've gotten to see and enjoy, not to mention a couple other Super Bowl appearances that ended up in losses. But right now, you have to call it what it is. The game is passing them by. So you know what? In reality, I don't know if there are four teams that are worse than the Patriots. And that is not a hot take. That is what this roster looks like right now. And yes, they're missing pieces. There's no doubt about that. They were missing pieces going into the season. They're missing the greatest quarterback of all time who looks like he is having a ball in Tampa. And he should. You know, in our old age, most of us should retire to Florida and just hang out with our friends and have good times. But I'll tell you what, man, that Dallas team, they've quit. They look absolutely dreadful. When your quarterbacks get lit up like that, and you don't get into a fight <laughs> or some kind of some kind of something that tells you where this team is at right now. They've quit on the coach too. But I'll tell you what, New England Patriots, you're in trouble right now, rest of the season, no doubt about that. I mean, look at this line here. Look at what happened here. Now you got Ben DiNucci starting at quarterback next week. Ezekiel Elliott's been a fumble machine. He has just 12 carries for 45. He was like the last stalwart in the first round. Well, guess what? He gone. He's done now too. Mari Cooper is still good. That's good. You can take some saving grace out of that. But defensively, they're atrocious. You know, at least New England has some defense once in a while. But I'll tell you what, I didn't see much of it this past weekend against Jimmy Garoppolo and a backup running back. Let's call it a third-string running back, right? Tore up that defense. I don't know what's going on there. I can't blame it on all the mispractice time. I can't blame it on the COVID. I can't blame it on anything except the guys that are there. And Jeff Garcia was taking shots today at Cam Newton. I don't know if you saw this or not. But if you didn't, go run to the internet and so go check it out. It's all over Twitter. Taking shots. Well, if Cam Newton's got all this time to look fancy, maybe he's got more time to study the playbook. We're back to that argument. And it's valid. And Cam Newton even said it's valid. He's like, okay, Jeff Garcia won more, you know, won a lot of games. He can go say whatever he wants. And he is. And he's not wrong. Because at a certain point here, when do we call it what it is? Which is Cam Newton, Belichick. The brain trust of this organization has not put enough talent on the field the last couple of years. And you know what? They've gotten by with really good execution on defense, and they have. And they've gotten by because they had the greatest executor of all, Tom Brady, at the quarterback position, who makes guys into gold. And you can see the frustration with Brady last year, and that's why they brought in Antonio Brown. That was why Antonio Brown was there in the first place last year. Why? Because Tom Brady knew they didn't have enough weapons. Tom Brady said, we got to go out and get this guy and bring him in. And guess what? When they brought him in, he was good with Tom Brady, and they looked unbeatable. Now, granted, that week they were playing Miami, but still, it's the best the Patriots offense looked in a long time when they had him on it. And then, of course, we all know the rest of that story, and wouldn't you know it, here we are in 2020, and Tom Brady's getting his friend back there because getting greedy, getting all his friends together. But Right now, it's not a good scene for a lot of teams in the NFL, and the Patriots are closer to getting that one pick than they are making the playoffs, and that is a fact. All right, let's go to another question here. Everyone's sick of me talking about the Patriots. So, question number two, fantasy or reality? More teams and more Major League Baseball players should try to steal home. Well, it wasn't a successful steal home, but it was exciting. I like it. It's fun. 
I will say this. It's a reality. Yeah, they should. And you know what? How about this for reality? We should get more stolen bases back in baseball. Period. I want more stolen bases. You know why? It's fun. It's exciting. And I know some of the dad will tell you, well, you know, sometimes what happens is when you have the guy on first base, what happens is you end up, you know, running yourself out of innings too often. You know what? I've been watching baseball a long time. And I remember the stolen base being a huge thing in the 80s, especially with teams that didn't have a lot of power. And you know what? Those teams were in the playoffs quite a bit because why? They were able to take that extra base. And I think this also speaks to the point of culturally how baseball has changed. You have a lot of the finer athletes, let's say, that don't gravitate towards baseball. And for whatever reason that is, baseball is an expensive game to play. Baseball's tried with the RBI program. They've tried to bring in a, a wider net of players. But there's no denying that you've lost a lot of great athletes over the last couple of decades to other sports. And you lose them in high school, too. You lose them in New Jersey to lacrosse. You lose them to soccer. You're losing them to a lot of other sports simply because there's more options now. And I think that has also hurt the stolen base because you have very good athletes in Major League Baseball. And I will always say this. You ask the random baseball player to go make a foul shot, he can do it. You ask him to throw a football, he can do it. You ask an NFL player to hit a baseball or an NBA guy to, uh, <laughs> to hit a baseball. It's ugly. I can tell you that right now. I've seen enough of that. But yes, I want to see more of this. I want to see more aggression. I want to see more stolen bases. I want to see you make the other team make a play. That's what I want to see. That's fun. It's a good time. It's good for ratings too, last time I checked. It's also good for shorter games because when guys get thrown out, innings end quicker. So I have a lot of reasons. So I say reality. More Major League Baseball players should try to steal home. I don't want it every game. I'd like to see more of it. Like there's ways to get it done. Especially with all these pitchers. Now you have so many pitchers that have all these little idiosyncrasies and these things that they have to do before they get on to the next pitch and the next pitch. It's great. This is what you need. Need to expose that a little bit more. Look at a guy like Mookie Betts. Look how much havoc he created in one of those games just from being from stealing second, being on second base, getting all Tyler Glasnell's attention in game one, then stealing third in the next play, basically. That's the kind of guy that could wreck a game. I want more Mookie Betts in Major League Baseball. I want more stolen bases. Yes, please. And I'm not even talking as a fantasy guy because I hate Roto. Yes, I'm the fantasy guy that doesn't like to play Roto. I like head-to-head -head points, fantasy baseball. I don't care. I'm not going to apologize for it. But I will say it would be nice to have more stolen bases, just generally speaking. So let's have some fun here. The third question, fantasy or reality, the new Borat movie, the subsequent movie film, which I get to talk like this about for the remainder of the segment. Yes, I like Borat sequel was good. Yes. Fantasy or reality? Reality. Yes, it was good. It was funny. It was entertaining. I liked it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is a fearless comedian. I thought it was pretty hilarious that he just on the streets of texas even that he couldn't even walk without being recognized right away by any just random joe on the street not this joe this joe is never random never but just any random joe on the street goes hey look it's borat and that's why you haven't gotten a sequel to this movie in 14 years i think you could wait 20 years you still couldn't get a good sequel where people wouldn't necessarily recognize him and i think it was unfair to hold this movie up to the standards of the first one. The first one caught us all off guard. Even if you watched the Ali G show and you saw the character before, as I did, you weren't prepared for the full raw Borat that you saw in the first movie, which was unbelievable and shocking and all that stuff. And I think over the last decade plus, it's harder to shock us now. 
especially in the last four years or so, the things that we've seen, the things that we've experienced just in 2020 alone, I think some of the um, some of the moments here in life that I think it's just harder to get a rise out of people, really. And this was a funny movie, and it made a lot of points, and you can agree or disagree with the points, but I think it was very clever. I think it was very fearless. I think it's incredible that under the circumstances of a pandemic that you can even get this movie done and made. That is astounding. So great job to everybody out there who was working on this movie because this is hard. People don't realize what goes into a movie. Now, look, I spent 20 years of my life as a professional actor, not like the, the fake community theater kind, like the real kind that actually still votes for the Screen Actors Guild Award. I can tell you it is very difficult from a production level to get this kind of film done in a short period of time with all of these hamstrings of what's going on in the world not just from a shooting standpoint, from a location standpoint, from an editing standpoint. So great job by this whole team here getting this movie done. And the breakout performance, the daughter, absolutely hilarious. I mean, you know, it is not easy to hang with Sasha Baron Cohen. It is not easy. And she does. In fact, sometimes she carries him in many of these scenes. And I think he knows it too. And that's the mark of a great artist too. That he's able to give up that screen time, give up the focus to somebody who's having great moments. And she did. So kudos to her as well. If you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. It's very amusing. It's very fun. And I understand it can alienate some people on the different political spectrums. And we're not going to get into all that. Don't worry. God forbid we get into that. We're not going to do that. But it is still amusing nonetheless to hear, to see, to experience some parts of America that might be different of others. And I think perspective is always that one thing. Because he's not from this country, he has a different perspective of what he sees. And I think it forces all of us to look at it. And it's fun. It's a good laugh. No naked men running through hotel rooms this time, which is lucky. I'm very nice to, uh, to not have that, although that was hilarious. It is not the laugh riot fest, necessarily, as I conclude my review of Borat's subsequent movie film. It is not the riot fest that the first one was. I don't think anything could be. I hurt from laughing in the theater when I saw it. But I think in a short period of time, with all the issues around this world right now, that you could get this important comedy made. Good job by you, Sasha Baron Cohen. I hope it does great box office. Are we even calling that now? Streams? How do we measure movies? I don't know. I'm going to take a break, figure that out. When I come back, we'll have some more opinions right here on Sports Grid. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizapia here with you. And a little bit of news to drop. It seems like it's going to be unlikely. That's right. You're going to have to wait another week for CMC because it's a Thursday night game and they're saying, well, we don't think he's going to be quite ready then, but definitely after that, definitely after, oh, but I was, I thought it was supposed to be a three or four week injury. What happened? It's week nine soon. By the time we get him back, that's where we're at week eight next week. Week nine is when we have to wait for Christian McCaffrey. Last time I checked, if I'm doing all the math and luckily I have enough fingers to do that math. And that's the only way I could do that math. That's a lot more than three or four weeks. Lesson learned here. Same thing happened with Saquon Barkley last year. It's a bad injury. When you have that injury, it lingers. It's not good. It's very bad. But some good news also 
Ron Rivera got to ring the bell, and not just about the Cowboys either, too, and not just about that victory. He got to ring the bell because Ron Rivera finished his uh, his final cancer treatment. So congratulations to you, Ron Rivera. We'll try to leave things on a happy note here for everybody. And uh, that's great not only for Ron Rivera and his family. It's great for the Washington football organization as a whole. And that organization is in it. No matter what you might think of the Washington football team, the team without a name, without a logo, it's got a couple wins at least. And that's all that matters. Who cares? So let's wrap things up here with a little Sports Grid 60. And my Sports Grid 60 today is on Tom Brady. That's right. Tom, terrific. You know why? Because Tom Brady threw for a bunch of touchdowns. And you know what? After week one, everybody's saying, oh, look, it's a system quarterback. Tom Brady, he can't play without Belichick. Tom Brady's always listening. You don't think he is, but he is. And every time you say something about Tom Brady, Tom Brady's going to take it. He's going to internalize it and turn it into wins because that's his DNA. It's literally what the guy has done since he went his Michigan days when he used to get benched for Drew Henson and then he used to bail him out in the fourth quarter. And then he gets his opportunity with the Patriots and guess what? He continues to run with it. And that's what he's doing right now with the Bucks again. And he's bringing in some of his friends too, his old buddy, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski's there. Bruce Arians is fun. Tom Brady's having fun. Tom Brady's going to be in the playoffs. The Patriots, they're not going to be in the playoffs. I can tell you that right now. That ain't happening. So for everybody here at Sports Gear for Craig Mish, I'm Joey P. That'll do it for me. But the story of the game goes on. We'll see you next time, kids. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.